This program is made possible by the friends and partners of Unspeakable Joy. I want to read just a couple of verses to you tonight. If you don't have a Bible, you'll understand and you've heard these verses before. And I was looking at them again today in the book of Philippians chapter number 3 and verse number 10. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His sufferings, being made conformable unto His death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained. You know what that means? That means as Paul, as spiritual as he was, still wasn't where God wanted him to be. Brothers and sisters, don't let the devil beat you up because you're not where you think you ought to be with God. We're all like Highway 52. We are a constant work in progress. That's what every single one of us are. We are a work in progress. Ruth Graham said that she wanted it written on her tombstone what she saw on a highway one day. The sign said, please be patient. Construction still ongoing. That is the testimony of each one of our lives. If we would learn that Jesus is working on each and every one of us, just be a little bit patient we'd probably have a lot better fellowship with one another. But I want you to watch what he said in verse number 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. When you come to the book of Philippians, you are coming to what we call the joy book. It is a book that has one theme, one melody, and one idea from beginning to end. And that is when you meet Jesus, you get happy. When you meet the Lord, there is something that bubbles down on the inside of you even through the trials and the troubles and the tribulations. Now, I used to think what that meant was, no matter what happened, you were always happy. That's not what that means. What it means to have joy is even in the hard, rough, tough times of life, even when you're sad and discouraged, it means there is something inside of you trying to rise through that and reach for something that you feel you should be. Whenever we go through death, there is something inside of us that says there's got to be a better day. Whenever we have sickness come upon us, there is something inside of us that says there has got to be a better way. Whenever something bad comes in our life, there is something that rises up and it constantly makes us want to reach and say there's got to be a better place. That is what joy is. And here in the book of Philippians, Paul says, when you meet Jesus, there will be joy that settles in your heart. But there were these false teachers that had arisen in chapter number 3, and they were trying to prostitute the gospel of Jesus, and they were trying to preach the gospel in order to get rich. 
They were trying to monopolize this thing called Jesus and make people pay them in order to hear the message and get rich. And Paul said, listen, he said, I want you to know everything I'm doing, this is the one reason I'm doing it. He said, I'm pressing forward and toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He said, I've got a singular focus. I've got an idea and a melody and a theme in my life that I am reaching forward and I am pressing toward that mark. Brothers and sisters, we have never had a day where people in the church of Jesus Christ are more distracted. Now, I'm not talking about sinful people. I'm talking about good, holy, righteous people. And there are so many things that are pulling us aside and removing our focus. In fact, tonight in this service, you have been in the presence of the Lord Jesus tonight and you have felt something down deep inside. But I promise you there has been a battle in your life between each song. There was something that was rising up trying to steal your focus. Because the adversary of our soul wants us to say, but these two things we do. These three things we do. You see, we like to be what we call spiritual multitaskers. The scientists tell us, though, that no matter how smart a person is, it is only physically, mentally able and capable of focusing on one thing at one given time. People always tell me, they say, Tyler, you've got a one-track mind. You can't focus on anything but one thing at a time. They'll say, but I'm a multitasker. No, you, my friend, just can switch things real quick. You see, it's impossible to focus on but one thing at a time. Brothers and sisters, Paul said, my focus is set on one person, and his name is Jesus Christ. He said, whenever I focus on Jesus, it's a sweet focus. Brothers and sisters, he writes back in verse number 8, and he said, all these other things, when I think about these other things, he said, the, the knowledge that I had and the status that I had and the money that I had, he said, when you pile all of those things up, I count them but dung, but waste, but filth in comparison to Jesus Christ. Now, brothers and sisters, don't let any Christian tell you that money and status and people around you are filth and waste. No, no, no. What he said is, when I compare those things to the Lord Jesus Christ, I count them but dung, and I count them but lost. Why? Because in comparison to the Lamb of God, they are but waste on the ground. Why? Not because of their inability, but because of His great ability. Money is not bad because it's money. It's because there ain't nothing that compares to the riches of God found in Jesus Christ. It's not that knowledge is bad. It's just that knowledge cannot even be worthy to be compared to who Jesus Christ really is. Brothers and sisters in this house right now, the singing is not what's sweet, although it's wonderful. And the preaching is not what's sweet, although I hope it blesses your heart. And the fellowship is not what's sweet, although I hope it's a blessing. Do you know what the sweet thing about the singing is? 
It's the man Christ Jesus. Do you know what makes the blessed preaching? It's the man Christ Jesus. Do you know what makes this house sweet? It's not the people in it, but it's the man inside the people that are in the building. It's all about Jesus Christ. And when Jesus is in the right place in your life, and when the master's in the right place in your life, that's when life gets sweet. That's when marriage gets sweet. That's when church gets sweet. That's when government gets sweet. That's when taxes get sweet. I ain't got there yet, but they say it'll get sweet when you get there. That's when things get sweet. When Jesus is in the right place in your life, that's when life gets sweet. You say, I don't like my marriage. Then Jesus ain't in the right place in your marriage. You say, I don't like my life. Then Jesus ain't in the right place in your life because you don't need things and people in order to have something down deep on the inside. It is the man, Christ Jesus. Paul said, this one thing I do, boy, he's sweet. Number two, he's supernatural when you focus on him. He said that I might attain under the resurrection of the dead. He said Jewish religion, it can give you a life, but it cannot raise life from death. Jewish religion, Paul said, it could teach you how to walk, but Jewish religion couldn't bring you out of the grave. He said, but when Jesus gets in his right place, he won't just teach you how to walk, but they which were dead shall be resurrected from that spiritual grave. And that which was dead, that which had no life, that which had no hope, that which was in the depths of depravity can come down to an altar and kneel on an altar in Pilot Mountain, North Carolina. And that which was dead can live again. And that which had no hope, it can live again. And that which had no life can live again. Ladies and gentlemen, I wonder, is there anybody, you tried religion, but it left you dead. And you tried church, but it left you dead. And you tried being baptized, but it left you dead but the day that you met the man Christ Jesus the Lord you met the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley and the bright in the morning star and the one that's altogether lovely and the fairest of 10,000 when Jesus got in your life honey he'll bring life out of death he'll bring hope out of discouragement he'll bring light out of darkness because he's supernatural you may be here in this building right now and you're watching these boys sing and you're watching them play and you're watching them shout and you're watching us rejoice and you're saying what is that all about it's about Jesus and I can't explain it I can't put it in its rightful place I can't fully understand all that there is to it that's why I've got to accept it by faith but when Jesus has made the Lord and the master and the savior of your life it will bring life where there is death and it will bring hope where there is no hope because he's a supernatural God he's a supernatural savior he's a supernatural redeemer he's a supernatural hope ladies and gentlemen he is God when you focus on that when you focus on that that my friend is when supernatural things start happening but then Paul says he's a singular focus this one thing I do Boy, I wish I was a spiritual preacher. You ever met them preachers that made you think they lived in heaven and came out of heaven just to come down to church and then whenever they get done with church, they go back to heaven? Boy, I wish I was one of them. 
There's another place I think I leave every now and again to come to church, but it ain't heaven. Son, every now and again. I was sitting down today, and I got to thinking, man, I, I wonder what I'm going to preach. And all of a sudden, I thought about this over here. And then all of a sudden, my phone rang over here. And then all of a sudden, my Facebook notification dinged right over here. And then all of a sudden, my email buzzer went off over here. And then all of a sudden, so-and-so wanted to talk to me over there. And then all of a sudden, I had this idea over here. And before I knew it, I was not thinking but about a thousand different things that were pulling in my direction. And then I got to thinking, Lord, what am I going to preach tonight? And then I got to thinking about that and the Holy Ghost said, one thing. One thing. And I said, yes, Lord, I've got to focus on one thing. Then I thought about the dog, and I thought about my neighbor's cat, and then I thought about the fox that my neighbor called and said was coming through my, my yard last night. And then I got to thinking about Ryan Wood. Then I got to thinking about dinner tonight. Then I got to thinking about gas getting in my car. Then I thought about I had to go get the car wash. But I couldn't get a message, and I thought, Lord, why aren't you giving me a message? This one thing. Brothers and sisters, so many in this building right now can't figure out why they can't get a word and direction from God. You can't get a word and direction from God until you focus on one thing. Tonight, the goal of this meeting is to ignite in your heart to refocus on the one thing. Paul said, I press toward the mark. One thing. He said, I press toward the finish line. One thing. He said, I got my eyes, two eyes focused on one thing. I got two legs running toward one thing. My song is sung many times, but it's always about one thing. He said, every time I stand up to preach, he said, I preach a thousand things, but I'm always preaching about one thing. And when I wake up to raise my kids in the daytime, I may have to deal with a thousand things, moms, but you're always pointing them toward one thing. And men, when we're dealing with our spouses, there's always a thousand things pulling us in the direction. But Jesus said, husbands, love your wives as one thing, love the church. Brothers and sisters, it's got to be the singular focus of your life. If you've never been saved by the grace of Christ, it's until you set your affection on one thing that you will be saved. You can be focused on baptism. You can be focused on interdenominational. You can be focused on Church of God, Pentecostal, Nazarene, Snotling. You can be focused on a ton of different things, but until you focus on one thing, how do you focus own one thing. I'll give you three things, load them up, blow them out, and by God's grace, eat chicken pie. Say amen right there. How do you focus on the one thing? Number one, Paul said, you've got to forget the past. He said in verse number 12 and 13, he said, forgetting those things which are behind. That word forgetting, it is the Greek word which means to take a vessel and throw it over the side of a chasm and walk away. Now, I have been up to Hanging Rock many times. I ain't never been to Mount Pilate in the words of Barney Fife, but I have been to Hanging Rock a lot of times. 
I have a bad habit up at Hanging Rock. You go up to Hanging Rock, and there ain't nobody down there. So what I'm about to tell you, if you're a, if you're a liberal in this room, I'm getting ready to sniff you out, Karen. I take a, I'll take a rock, get up to the top of Hanging Rock, get off the side of the path, and I take a rock, and I just... But you know what I do? That's what most of us do with our past. We throw it over the chasm of the love of Christ. And then we spend the rest of our days. The devil tells us it's still there so we walk back up to the edge. You're in here right now and you want to shout. But the devil says, you got to go look back over the edge. Remember what you used to be? Remember what you used to do? Remember those actions you used to think? You remember those thoughts that used to run through your mind? You remember how you and such and such used to act? And the devil brings you over the chasm. And the moment you look over the chasm, you lose sight of one thing. Honey, they're up here singing about it's still the blood that saves from sin. They're up here singing about Jesus. I love you. All these songs. And the whole time, you're trying to focus on the... But right back here, the devil's saying, remember when? You'll come into a church like this. You'll get in your vehicle. You'll head down the road. And you'll be thinking, man, wasn't that a good service? And you can no more focus on the one thing. And that old dirty, rotten, good-for-nothing, low-down, lying devil will bring up your past and bring you over to the oblivion edge. And here's what he's got us convinced of. If we look at it long enough, that's what's going to keep it down there. And maybe if we walk away and forget it, it's going to come back up. And somebody's going to bring it up. And somebody's going to remind us of it. But Paul said, you've got to forget those things. He says, I want you to throw it over the chasm of the love of Jesus. Then I want you to turn your back on it. And I want you to walk in the purpose of God. And I want you to walk in the plan of God. And I want you to walk in the program of God. There's somebody in this house right now. And God's trying to get you to focus on the one thing in your life. You need to walk back over the edge and say that sin is in the bottom of the sea of God's forgetfulness and I'm walking with Jesus I'm not thinking about that thing I'm not remembering that thing I'm not even going with that thing now when I throw that rock over Matthew if you'll throw that rock over it'll hit the bottom but it's silent at first you know why sound doesn't travel as fast and here's what I'll do I, I'm, I told y'all I need medication I'll start walking away. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, and I hear a sound from the thing I just walked away from, and it tempts me. Let me give you an illustration. When you come to an altar, and you lay your burdens down, and you start walking away, you get in a car, and the devil gets in your ear and says, they're going to find out about it. Oh, so-and-so knows the truth. And we start looking. And because of the past, we can't focus on the... 
You know what Paul said to you? Paul said, forget those things. Throw them down there and leave them alone. You say, I can't change them. That's the whole point. You can't change yesterday, so you may as well try to forget it because you can't alter it. You can't undo it. You can't outroll it. You can't beat it. So you may as well leave it down in the hole where Jesus' blood is washing it away and walk on in the name of Jesus Christ. Somebody tonight ought to look the devil in the eyeball and say, I'm not thinking about this. I'm not thinking about it. I'm not processing it. I'm not dealing with it. I'm not walking in it. I'm not going to let it control me. When I go to an altar, I'm not thinking about it. And when it comes in my mind, I'm not thinking about it. And when somebody brings it up, I'm not thinking about it. And when somebody talks about it, I'm not thinking about it. I'm forgetting the past. I'm walking away. I'm getting out. I've thrown it because I'm ready to focus on one thing. In order to focus on the one thing, you've got to forget the past. Number two He didn't just say forgetting those things which are behind. But he kept on going and he said, now when you forget the past, you've got to forge through the present. Watch what he says. Reaching forth to those things which are before. That word picture, it's the idea of a runner in a marathon getting right to the finish line and stretching everything that he is in order to make sure that he isn't beat in the race. Now, I want you to think about that runner as he's stretching at the finish line. He's got to be tired. He's got to be weary. I got winded walking up the stairs coming into preacher's office. And if you folks really love Jesus, would you please install one of them lift chairs that goes up in tall, in stairs out there for people like us? We got to preach the gospel. These boys have got to sing the gospel. Help a brother out. You know, they say the greatest times that a runner desires to quit is at the beginning of the race and right before the finish line. They are so ready for the race to be done. But Paul said, no, 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 no. He said, you've got to push through the weariness and stretch through all of the pain that's in your body and all the weariness that's in your body. Brothers and sisters, there's some people I know in this building and you have fought some real fights in the last 364 and one half days of your life ever since you walked out of here last year and there was a fire lit on the inside of you but the devil's done everything to extinguish it in your life and put it out in your life and make you weary in this life. You know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to keep pushing. You're going to have to keep stretching. You're going to have to keep praying. You're going to have to keep believing. I know that child says they're not coming to church, but you've got to keep on pushing. I know it looks like that thing is never going to move out of the way, but you've got to keep pushing. I know it looks like that mountain is never going to be climbed, but you've got to keep climbing. I know it looks like you're never going to get through that valley but you gotta keep walking I know it looks like you're never gonna get out of that river but you gotta keep crossing I know it looks like that family is never coming to the house of God but you gotta keep on trusting in God you gotta keep on pushing because what's gonna happen is the devil's gonna tell you as you're trying to focus on the one thing how this is gonna happen how that's gonna happen how tired you are right here how it's never gonna happen over there how it's never gonna be accomplished over there Paul said tell the devil where to go back to and read 
reach forth to those things which are before. I want to encourage some child of God, keep on praying, keep on believing, keep on trusting, keep on walking, keep on talking, keep on going, keep on doing, keep on believing God and forge through the present pains of this life. I've got some friends in this room. And they'll shout right now. What you don't know is in order to shout tonight, they had to forge through what happened today. And there's people right now that are probably worshipers in this house that are not worshiping with hands that have been lifted up free all day. But they probably had to let go of some burdens in order to... Listen to me. Do not criticize somebody's worship. You don't know what it costs them to lift their hands. You don't know what it costs them and what they had to let go of. You better be very careful about criticizing somebody else's shout and criticizing somebody else's worship because the God of heaven has a real funny way of making us walk through the same valley of the person we just criticized. Oh, that turned some tater patches over, didn't it? I'm going to tell you something. We better be mighty careful. There's some people in this house that in order just to say hallelujah, when they said, I have not forgotten, they had to wipe the tear off their cheek. And they had to stable a whimpering lip from something that's happened this week. A friend of ours riding up the road a while ago, Erica, said, did you see that on Facebook? I said, no. She said, she named the name. She said, they found a golf ball-sized tumor in his wife's lung. 36 years old. 36 years old. Do you know what he's got to do tonight? He's got to go preach. You think he's going to be able to stand in the liberty of his life? You know what he's going to have to do? He's going to have to keep his eyes on the one thing and forge. Brothers and sisters, do not think for one second because you have problems that God is mad at you. It does not mean that God is mad at you because bad things have happened in your life and because sicknesses have happened in your life and because you don't have what somebody else has. That may just mean that God has found a Job in this world and is wanting to show you off in the eyes of the devil and remind the devil that not everybody's turned their back on God and not everybody will walk away from God and not everybody will stop trusting in God when the hard times come. But there are some people that say naked came forth out of my mother womb and naked shall I return forth hither. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Whether he gives, blessed be his name. Whether he takes away, blessed be his name. Brothers and sisters, I wonder, is there anybody in the midst of a battle, in the midst of a trial that is not ashamed of the fact that they still love Jesus Christ? I'm still going to shout. I'm still going to praise. I'm still going to believe. I'm still going to hold. I'm still going to trust. In order to focus on the one thing, you've got to Pours through the present. Number three, I'm going home. I'm out of here. I'm done. But let me give you number three. Number three, in order to focus on the one thing, you've got to focus on that place. Paul said this, I press toward the mark. That word mark in the Greek, it literally means the finish line. Do you know how a runner will keep running 
when they're weary and tired. They'll pace their steps, not by the people around them, but how close they are to the finish line. That word, I press, it literally means to stalk like a hunter. A hunter, a, a, somebody that takes a weapon and goes and kills something. I've been hunting two times in my life. My first and my last. My uncle took me when I was roughly about 10 and one half years old. Me and my cousin that was two years older than me, he gave us one shotgun to share. It was a single shot 20 gauge. And I used to wonder, why did he only give us a shotgun? And I asked my uncle a couple of years ago, why'd you only give us one gun? He said, I know you. <laughs> we sat there. In the middle of Rockingham County. If you've ever been to, if you've ever been over to Rockingham County, go past Rockingham County, go to Caswell County. If you know where Ross's store is on County Line Road, I was about 48 miles in the middle of nowhere once you got to Ross's store. In the words of Barney and Andy, you can't get there from here. <laughs> Fellas, they, my uncle took me out in the middle of the woods. Now, I want to tell you how inexperienced a hunter I was. I had on a green Reebok shirt. I had on dark brown sweatpants that Mama got from Walmart. And I had on them white shoes that you get from the pick and pay. You ain't never lived until you have worn footwear from pick and pay. And if you don't know what pick and pay is, you are what we call upper to mid upper class. How many rednecks remember pick and pay? Yes, yeah, sir, good neighbors. I went out there. I honest, I look like a hobo is what I look like. I walked out there in them woods, and this was my uncle's line. Now my uncle is an experienced hunter. He said, Tyler. Keep your eyes open and your mouth closed. I said, why? He said, because if your eyes don't stay open, you won't see when the prize comes through. And if your mouth don't stay shut, you probably ain't never going to see the prize. So you know what I did? I went to sleep. That's exactly what I did. My cousin had the shotgun. We were sitting on the, on the, on the ground and got these, these nasty, stinking, wet leaves all around me. And my mama at the Walmart had gotten that, heat, that, that, that cushiony foamed heat pad and when you sit on it and move around, it'll warm up. Don't you act like you don't know what I'm talking about. Some of you don't look like you've bathed in three or four days. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And boys, I'm going to tell you, I sat there, and I got ADHD. I got it. Man, I got it. And I got to moving. The more I got to moving, that seat got warm, Daniel. And the warmer that seat got, I'm going to tell you something. They may not be stylish, but them Walmart sweatpants, they got something going on for them. 
And I started nodding off. My uncle made a rule. He put the shotgun between me and my cousin. He said, whoever sees the deer first, grab the gun and shoot. I got so comfortable sitting there. I nodded off and went to sleep. I don't know how long I was asleep, Pastor. But I woke up to... Boom! And I looked at my cousin. If I'm lying, I'm dying. It's mining on his wall right now. He killed Bambi. That ain't no joke. I mean, he just up and murdered Bambi right there. That deer wasn't that tall. Now, here's the whole point of that story. And that's exactly what happened. Some preachers will lie to you. I'm telling you the truth. That's exactly what happened. I missed the finish line. Because I got weary and I fell asleep. I took my eyes off the prize and I stopped focusing on one thing. There's some weary saints in the house of God. It gets weary waking up every day trying to walk with Jesus and go back to bed and stay pure and holy. But keep your eyes on that heavenly city. Keep your mind focused on that heavenly city. Keep your thoughts focused on that heavenly city. I remind you right now, if I could take your attention and I could focus it beyond this life and I could take you up higher than this journey right now and I could take you higher than Pilot Mountain and we could ascend up out of the upper atmosphere. We could make our way into the second heaven and the realms of space if we could mount our way past the Milky Way and tiptoe across the galaxies making our way out of the second heaven and going into the third heaven if we were able to leave the third heaven and walk up to the gate of the golden glorious city of God down one side you would see a 1500 mile wall made of gold made of jasper made of pearl made of a wonderful beautiful metal and 1500 miles that way 1500 miles that way and 1500 miles that way you would look at that one solid pearl and the 12 gated city and they I don't know if there's an angel at the gate but all I know is when I get there whether there's an angel at the gate or he ain't at the gate my one answer is still going to be Jesus Jesus paid it all all to him I owe my way will be paid as the gates swing open wide I'll make my way into the glorious city of God and ladies and gentlemen here's what you're going to see when you walk inside the city of God Everybody says that they'll be at the throne of God. That's not what the New Testament says. That's not until after the rapture that we're all gathered around the throne of God. Do you know what the saints of God that have gone on before us are doing right now? Honey, they are Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. We are encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Those people that have left this life and died in Jesus Christ. Do you know what they did? The moment that they awake, they awaken the city of God and they lay their eyes on Jesus in the center of the city at the right hand of God and they leave that little place and honey they run to the banister and they're looking us on and they're waving us on and they're chewing us on and do you know what they're saying? They're saying keep on. It's worth it. Keep your eyes focused. It's worth it and you and I looking at this world and looking at this life we're thinking about money and we're thinking about health and we're thinking about power and we're thinking about relationships 
and we're thinking about building churches and those people in the city of God are saying none of that matters but focus on the one thing don't look at any of those things but focus on the one thing and right now in this house there are people that are focused on left and they're focused on right lift your eyes to heaven and focus on the one thing you say what is the one thing I brought you all this way to tell you who the one thing is Matthew said he's the king of the Jews and Mark said he's the servant of man and Luke said he's the son of man and John said he's the son of God and Acts said he's the baptizer in the Holy Ghost Romans said he's the justifier Corinthians said he is the sanctifier Galatians said he is our redeemer Ephesians said he is the head of the body he is the bride he is the bridegroom for the bride and he is the cornerstone of the building Philippians said he is our joy and Colossians said he is head and above all and he is in all then you get over to Thessalonians and he said he's the soon coming king and Timothy said he is the mediator and Titus said he is the pastor and Philemon said he's the one that sticketh closer than any brother and Hebrews said that he is better he's better than Moses and he's better than Aaron and he's got a better covenant and he's building a better city James said he is our wisdom then you get over into 1 Peter and 1 Peter says this he says he is the chief shepherd 2 Peter said he's the one that's going to come and he's going to implode the world and he's going to renovate and restore all things 1 John said he's light 2 John said he's life and 3 John said that he is the love of God Almighty Jude said he's the Lord coming with 10,000 of his saints and Revelation said he is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords chapter 1 said he's the one walking in the candlestick and chapter 2 said he's the fire that brought the church chapter 3 said he's the one that knocks on our door chapter 4, 5 and 6 said he is the one that he is worthy chapter 7 said he's the one that's going to seal the 144,000 chapter number 8 chapter number 9 and chapter number 10 said he's the one that unfurls the seals chapter number 13 said he's the one that's got a plan for it all chapter number 14, 15, 16 and 17 says he's the one that holds it all together during the seven years of great tribulation chapter number 18 says he's the one that brings them to the fields of Armageddon chapter number 19 verse number 11 down through verse number 18 he says they're out there in the fields of Armageddon and they lift their eyes up to the eastern sky and they say my God it's him he's coming he's coming with power and he's coming with glory written upon his girdle it says king of kings and lord of lords chapter number 20 says he's the one that takes a false prophet and he takes the antichrist and he takes him by the nap of the neck and he throws him into the lake of fire he then takes a devil and he seals him in the bottomless pit for 1,000 years chapter number 21 says that when that old dirty dog good for nothing devil is released he takes him by the nap of the neck he bows him at the feet of God Almighty and every knee's gonna bow every tongue's gonna confess to the glory of God the Father that Jesus Christ is Lord and then the angels of God they take the devil by the neck and they walk him over the lake of fire and they throw him headlong into the lake of fire where he'll burn forever and forever and forever then we get into chapter number 21 and chapter number 22 and he says I'm about to make you a city where there are seven things that will never exist he said there's no more sin and there's no more separation and there's no more fear and there's no more night and there's no more sun and there's no more temple and there's no more need for prayer he said because the lamb is the light of that city and John gets to the end of it and he says oh my God he says focus on the one thing he says he's the amen he's the bright in the morning star 
are. Brothers and sisters, keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. He's the one thing. He's the one thing.